0: Hey everybody, it's Ben Gothard and we're here with another Project Ake interview and we're talking to Sve Pavic. How you doing man?
1: Hey man, thanks man, thanks for having me on here,
0: Uh, excited to be here,
1: Uh, ready to drop some value bombs for some uh, like-minded entrepreneurs, some listeners
0: and also just, you know, tell my story. Absolutely. So Sve is from Bosnia um, and you know, I just want to jump right in. So Sve, what is your story?
1: So I'll start with just like a little bit of personal background, like where I'm from, give me some context. So my name is Sve, and I get it all the time. You know, people ask me like, where does that name come from? And to be honest, so I'm from Bosnia, which is in um, basically it used to be a country in former Yugoslavia. Um, So they had a civil war there. So um, that's kind of what I want to touch on. But about my name, it's interesting because even my name is unique in that sense that it's not a common name in my country. My full name is Svebor. So there's maybe like, if I Google my own name, there's only like three people in the world. One guy's like a violinist, and then there's all of, you know, my, all of my, my, my profiles and stuff like that. Um, so that's pretty unique. So, um, and I do have a unique story. And the angle is that, you know, my family, we came from this amazing country, which was called Yugoslavia back in the time. And I won't say how or what happened, but there was a civil war. And basically within 24 hours, my mom picked me and my sister up and fled the country. With nothing, with none of our stuff, and the house that they had, and all the money in the bank, poof, it's gone. So that was, and then, I, and then I, I, I went to UK as a refugee, and then I ultimately, I mean, here in Canada. So I'm actually from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So to see from that part how something like that, like, can just disappear completely, it kind of gives you a new appreciation, um, you know, for where you're at. And, you know, especially like kind of like the luxuries that were afforded. But as a result, then it kind of gives you the drive as well that, you know, you, you never want to be in that situation as well. So um, it's unfortunate what happened there. But now I'm in Canada. So it's a, it's a great country. Um, and basically, I am a hustling entrepreneur. I work right now nine to five. I'm a IT uh, project manager, but I, I work um, with my own business. So I have my own corporation. And I do consulting there. Um It's still a desk job. It's still a day job. You still have a boss, but you know, it pays pretty good money. Um, and basically I'm using all of that, pretty much all that cash to invest in um, other businesses. So yeah, I have like four or five businesses that I'm pretty much running. Some of them are more off the ground than others, but I'm trying to, um, to basically get them all to at least, you know, a solid six figures per business uh, within about a year or two.
0: That's awesome man. so you know I want to dive a little bit more into your past. so you know from the time when you got to Canada and you know you started to, to kind of put down your roots again, um, what kind of happened in that in that middle point so, you know like like at what at what how, how young were you when you got there and, and from there where' did you go?
1: Yeah so <clears throat> I was basically
0: five years old and I, um, I was
1: a refugee in UK. Um really nice people there Um we actually stayed me and basically like nine of my relatives in this like old castle which was bonkers because we had like pets in the backyard it was actually a zoo it was a public zoo that people would come but it was like in the backyard so that was crazy so that was like for about like six months to a year we we're in the UK that's where I started learning like most of the English and I actually had a British accent and then I came to Canada when I was five so I would identify myself more with being you know more Canadian citizen um, than British, really. But, you know, I, I still live there for a bit of time. So, yeah, so I went to school there. And I so I went and I studied at U of T. Um, I was doing it like a business program. And basically, I had friends who were a few years older than me. And uh, they were all graduating and no one can find a job. And that's the problem with today's education system and today's job market. So right then and there, I knew that, OK, first of all, education, that path, you know, of getting educated and getting a job, that, that's no longer a reality anymore. Unfortunately, at least for people who are our age, who don't have, you know, the kind of experience, anything where you're under 30, basically, um, is going to get pretty tough if you're not in a traditional job. And by traditional, I'm talking about like accounting, finance, you know, legal lawyer, whatever. So if you're, uh, you know, doctor, if you're not going down those traditional routes, it's going to be difficult to get a job. Um, fortunately, I was lucky enough to Um, you know, listen to both my parents and also um, try to understand how am I going to be able to succeed even without, you know, having just a U of T, you know, undergrad. So I started interning at all these different companies. Um, so a lot, one of them was actually a project management company. I also entered at a bank for a period of time and stuff like that. So I got a lot of experience that way. But then that realization, um, you know, that it's not going to be just go to school and get a job. And ultimately, it's not what I wanted to do. Because that you, when you're in university, you have time to think. And you think, OK, if money wasn't an option, what would I be doing? And that's called your passion. And then once you figure that out, then you're like, OK, well, how do I get there? So in university, basically from the period of second year, I started reading into all of the business books um, on just passive cash flow, and passive income. And that's pretty much like my number one, I would say, personal like work goal, I guess, would just be to achieve financial freedom. And I'm sure that's a lot of people's goals. And that's probably why we're all, uh, you know, really into entrepreneurship. As fun it is, as fun it is making businesses, um, it's the ultimate fact that you want to achieve financial freedom, right? And if you wouldn't, then I don't think that you would have the drive to, because business is very tough. And especially when you're creating online businesses as well, where you can't just pitch someone in person. So I used to actually, one of my jobs was in sale and I could close like if I meet with you, I could close that sale like pretty quickly. Uh, But online, it's a completely different animal. Um, There's a lot of similarities, but it's different in the sense that you're, you know, the person doesn't personally know you uh, unless they're watching this video, for example. Um, But yeah, so going back to that, I just realized um, I needed to create passive cash flow. So the question was, okay, what is the means to the end? How am I going to do this? So, um, the first way, um, that I really started reading was on real estate. And I read the get, um, the rich dad, poor dad, um, books. And I would recommend those books to anyone who's interested in real estate. And I recommend real estate to everybody. I think it's still one of the best investments. Even though I do, um, online business right now, I still think real estate as the long-term growth platform, um, is a, the most stable. Um, and if you do it right, is the most passive and, uh, like long-term wealth building. Um, other businesses, you could make more money much faster, um, but at the same time, you could also get back to zero much faster. Um, so um, there's pros and cons of each business model. So yeah, I kind of want to talk about um, th- that business model in depth, and then I have um, other business models as well.
0: Yeah, so so maybe you could talk about um, you know each of your different businesses and and break it down. Uh, as far as, you know, what you do um, and and where you kind of see it going uh, from here? Cool. Okay.
1: So I, I guess I, I'll give you just a quick, re- like an overview of the different businesses that I have. Um, and then I kind of, I'll kind of go dive into each one of them. And I just want to say this right now. Um, I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm not an expert in any of these businesses, but what I do have is I do have Real, real life experiences and examples. And I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. So, you know, I'm going to tell you the good and the bad because there's with each business, there's always risk and you have to learn how to mitigate that risk. Um, and that's kind of like the project management side of me coming out. But that's how you have to think is that everything has a risk. There's no such thing as a risk for investment. And if you think that you can create a business that's going to earn at least six figures in profit without any effort, you're smoking some crap. That's basically what it comes down to. So you have to put in the effort. Like, there's no way around that. You have to put in the time. So each of these businesses have different levels of effort, different amounts of capital involved, different amount of skills involved. Each one of them has skills. You're going to have to learn all of these skills. Um, if you hire someone to learn these skills, you won't get the return on investment because they'll probably be making most of the money, right? And then you're going to come down to the, you know, stock market um, ROI, where you're looking at 7%, right? So the first one I want to talk about is the real estate one. And like I said, I think it's the best. There's one key um, aspect of real estate that very few uh, other businesses, like online businesses, have, which is the power of leverage. So to this day, you are able to own a half a million dollar asset if you only put $30,000 down, right? That is a possibility. You could own half a million dollars. Just think about it. You can own half a million dollar asset. So when you think about it that way, The power of leverage, the power of your money um, becomes so much more important and such a big um, benefit in real estate. You don't have that in the stock market. You don't have that even in online businesses. In fact, you're going to have to incur a lot of um, startup costs, uh, especially on what type of business you're doing before you even start seeing any kind of return of capital. So, that concept of leverage, um, and it's really leverage at a low interest rate. So, you can get credit cards and you can say that's leverage, but it's not because you're going to get, you won't be able to make money with an interest rate. Whereas with real estate, most of the time, as long as you have decent credit and stuff like that, but even if you don't, there's ways around it, um, you can get very favorable rates. So right now, I'm paying 2.29% um, to loan $100,000. I'll get back to that in a minute. But basically, the way that I think about that is that's free money, because inflation is 2%. So whatever, I, as long as I make one dollar. That 100k, but I'm going to make way more than that. Even if I make one dollar, it's free money, right? And that's kind of the way that you, a lot of people um, have these preconceptions of real estate, like oh you should put 20% down or oh you should put 30% down, and let's try not to have too much debt. This is this is the shocking thing about real estate. It's actually more profitable. You get a higher ROI the less amount you put down. That's just how it works because you're leveraging more of the money, and that goes back to the power. So um, the strategy that I use, and I'll talk more about how I did it with my first house, but the strategy that I have, there's a couple of different like real estate business models, right? There's like fix and flips, which is basically the way that I think of it is like a job because you have it's not passive. So you constantly have to be fixing and flipping and that's a job finding those properties and doing that work. I mean, you could hire someone, but at the end of the day, it's still more or less a job. It's not necessarily passive. So the ultimate passive um, with real estate is the long-term rental and specifically the multi-residential long-term rentals. So what I do with my first property and what I believe is, is you buy a, I, sp- I specifically like detached houses. You buy a detached house and you try to convert it into at least two units. And basically if you can convert it to two units and you make the renovation like high-end enough, it, you don't need necessarily granite countertops, although it depends on your area. But as long as you make it look high-end and you make it look clean, if it's something that you would want to live in and you're proud to call a home, you're going to get top dollar. And that's what we did. So we were looking at a, a property three years ago, um, which was, so I live in Toronto, which is like one of the most expensive real estate markets. And I knew right away from reading these books that eight, I didn't need to put 20% down. Um, I could get into 5% down, which is what I did. So tip number one, if you can only put 5% down, Put 5% down because if it's the difference between owning a house and not owning a house, because in three years those prices are going to, you know, jump up 100, 200 grand or whatever it is, um, that, that's the difference, right? So, yeah, you're going to have to make, you know, um, you're going to have to pay a little bit more in interest payments, but who cares if your interest payments are being covered by rental income? That makes no difference. You know what I mean? Um, so, that would be my first tip. Put 5% down if you need to. And I'm specifically talking this if you're a first-time buyer. Now, there's a different strategy if you already own a house, which I'll get to, which is called refinancing, which is basically pulling out the equity in your house to purchase another property. Um, But that's you already have to have a property for that. So most people probably don't have that property. And I actually think it might be better if you don't have the property because you can find um, the property that will suit your needs. Because um, there's only a specific amount of properties which will fit a criteria to make a legal uh, duplex. And I'm going to go into, let me just take a sip of water here. Okay. So um, back to the model. So the model is you're basically buy a house You create more than two, you create two units or more, which is called multi-residential. So if it's duplex or triplex and so forth, that's all okay. As long as once it gets over four units, then you're into like so-called like low-rise apartment buildings, which is a different type of financing. So let's stick to like two to four units, basically. Let's say most of the time you're only going to be able to create two units, which is which is still okay and it's still good, good income. Then the goal is you need to find a house. Once you have the financing, you need to find a house that will meet your criteria, um, which is basically you want to find ceiling height. So depending on your, um, you know. Uh, building code would be 6 foot 5 under bulkheads or 6 foot 7 under bulkheads if you're creating a basement so whereas I I personally like the detached brick bungalow which is what mine is at least in my area that's kind of what they have because they have a large floor plan Um, if you're going semis or two story up the they have a smaller floor plan so it's more difficult to find it And then basically um you you create the two units. So if you're building it from scratch, you're gonna have to get, you know, design permits. Um you're gonna probably have to hire some contractors um if you're doing electrical plumbing or anything structural or or major like that. The other stuff um you'll learn. Like I pretty much did half of the reno through YouTube videos. So I can pretty much do (laughs) half the work now. Like you don't realize how easy tiling is until you do it. You don't realize how easy laminate flooring is. You know, even just like I came from no construction background, like I'm a computer type of guy. And now I know how to use, you know, different types of tools and stuff. So that's also kind of a fun part is you do you do become handy. Um, you don't need to, but you'll certainly save a lot in sweat equity. So we saved about 30,000, to 30,000 dollars in sweat equity versus uh, hiring out in our, in our in this first property. So, yeah, you create you find something with a separate entrance and um, and that ceiling height. And that separation and you create two units and then you rent them out and then you have to, um, put all your expenses in and you get your cash flow. And I shoot for minimum $500 a month in cash flow, um, with all contingencies. So with 10% vacancy with, you know, 10% maintenance and so forth. Um, so all, all your, you know, your, your contingencies are in there. I want to shoot for $500 a month. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad deal if it's under that. It's just that's the number I like because, Um, it means there's something substantial there, but most of the time in reality, what I found is vacancy is very low. So I've had a 0% vacancy in over four years. Um, and most vacancies in cities are actually like one, one to 2% in dense cities. So you likely won't be vacant for very long. And there will always be people, um, who are interested in that. So, um, that even though I, I factor that in. So when I take all of those contingencies, nice to haves out. When I look at my real numbers, it's closer to a thousand a month profit. So if you think, this is the way I think about it. Five houses, five thousand a month profit. So that's the goal right now is to hit the five houses. And then you think, then you just want to double that. You hit 10 houses, you get 10,000 a month profit. Um, and that's the thing is, is with renting, with renting it out, it really is mainly passive. I mean, if you do have any issues, you can always also call someone. Um, like, you know, like a handyman or plumber or whatever the issue is, you don't necessarily have to deal with those maintenance type issues either. And you can also hire, um, someone to property manage the property. They will take a 10% cut usually, um, and one month's rent for vacancy, but that there is that option. Um, but there's, there's other ways you can reduce it. You could always get a friend, family member, whoever, or someone you know and pay them, you know, whatever, you know, 50 to 100 bucks per visit will still be cheaper. So. That's basically it. And then so we rented we created a full two bedroom legal basement apartment and we rented that out. So we're getting twelve fifty a month for that, um, plus utilities. And then we are living upstairs right now. It's a three bedroom. And then we completely renovated that. Um and so we purchased the house for four hundred thousand. Now three years later, in basically fifteen minutes away from um the center of Toronto, it's worth over seven. And there's some houses in our area we're, uh, selling for eight. And that's not even planned profit that's not even like me planning it's just natural appreciation it's just basically the fact that you have uh, a piece of land and that's another you know asset that you have in real estate if you have something finite like only the earth can only have so much land right so it's naturally it's a sparse commodity it's natural like pure economics means it's naturally going to go up
0: right so um, you have th- you have that really really big advantage. That's awesome, man. So, you know that seems like it's one of your many businesses is, is real estate, and and you know you have a very complex strategy um, that you know might not seem that complex to you, but but on the outside looking in, if you don't really know anything about it, oh. it's it, it's cool. It's cool. Um, and you know I, I am glad that you are willing to share so much of your knowledge. Um, like, you know, like you said. Neither of us are claiming to be experts here, but but you do have a ton of real world experience. So you know, besides the real estate, um, what else are you doing? How how else are you uh, are you hustling and grinding?
1: Okay, so yeah, the real estate is more of like the long term, like it's a long term play, and that's one thing you have to realize. It's going to take you a couple of years to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. I thought I would be buying properties every year. Like that's not a reality unless you can unless you can have some family or friends who are willing to you know loan a bunch of money it's going to be difficult to get there so i have to figure out other ways um so the most exciting right now that i've been with is actually um selling on amazon or just um private label products so i did launch one product um sometime in january of last year so it's been a while um but i'm going to be straight up it wasn't a success and i actually looking back on it like i'm not angry at all i because I still sold out in fourth quarter and I even raised my price and so I I, I basically what happened was um, I cashed out in fourth quarter because the, the product is a Q4 only product and there would have been no way for me to know that um, unless I was already selling that product even the research and the tools that I use don't tell you that and that's the thing with um, with online businesses is that Um, You can never predict how something will sell, how something will be received, what goes viral or whatever. But as long as you're trying all these different things, something is going to stick. So anyway, so that first product, I was a little disappointed. Um, I did invest like, I would say about 10K, um, but in the end I sold about um, 16 or 17,000 US and I had the 10K in Canadian. So the the thing right now, the only thing that's hurting, uh, hurting that is that the exchange rate so big. It hurt, it hurt me because I had to invest in it more. So that like eight or nine K US actually was closer, like 14, 15 K. On the other hand, I also launched like three SKUs at the same time. And I'll get, and I'll get to that at the same time. I wouldn't advise that going forward. I would say find a parent product and focus on that one product. And once you validated that one product, then launch multiple SKUs. Actually, my other SKUs were more profitable and they ended up selling, um, better but one of them actually got, if you can believe this, it actually got blocked through copyright infringement, which is bullshit. And it's actually not copyrighted because it's a private label product. There's no way that it can be copyrighted. But this is the problem with Amazon and with with any business that you don't control the sales channel is they can do whatever they want. So as much as I see um, the power of Amazon, so I'll give you guys an example. In one day, I sold um 83 units i can send you a picture of that later or whatever so that was like 2000 over 2000 u.s in sales in one day that was over black friday i woke up out of my bed i swiped right on my uh app which i also called the slot machine and in one day i sold 83 units and that's before i even woke up so right there the light bulb moment went off um to be like you know what if that if it's that unpredictable that it can just sell like crazy just because it's a holiday i didn't even do any advertising or paid advertising or anything like that uh but but the fact that it can sell like that so passively there is something powerful on the other hand you always have to be careful not to um get comfortable with that because at any moment they can do the suspension on you or ban worst case scenario who knows what because you don't own that platform so Amazon is the most powerful sales channel. It is the best sales channel. It has the highest conversion rate. Uh, it's the best place to launch your product. I love it, but I'm also scared of it. So <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. So that first product, just to give you guys some context, I won't go too much into in, in, into deep of that one product, but I will do some lessons learned. Um, ben, if you think that might be a good idea. Absolutely. Um, for anyone. absolutely. I, I don't know, like, do your, does your audience, are they interested in, in launching physical products or their own products? Is,
0: you know, geez, man, as far as entrepreneurs go, I feel like as long as it, it's somewhat related to business and making money and, you know, making some sort of decision, then regardless of what the actual subject matter is, we can take away lessons from it. So, you know, if you have lessons okay. learned, go for it, man, please. Yeah, I have
1: some good lessons learned. I'm going to try to keep it short because I still got to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the other two, but I think Amazon, if. So I would say in a comparison term, if someone told me, okay, I have, let's say $5,000 right now to invest, right? Um, where should I start? So you can't really invest in 5,000 real estate, to be honest. Um, and, you know, you can you can invest 5,000 into a blog, but it's not really going to get you the immediate results. So the fastest way is to sell your own physical product. Um, and the best way is probably selling it on Amazon, on launching on Amazon. Um, so basically... I send my units in to Amazon's fulfillment center, which is called FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. And that's how they're enabled to do crime shipping, which is the free U.S. two day shipping. Actually, I think I read some crazy statistic, like 36% of all U.S. citizens have crime or something like that. Like it's absolutely insane. So imagine like the third of the population, um, is automatically subscribed to crime. And there's people that pretty much only buy if it's prime. So basically you need to, um, ship your products to there. Um, so, what I can tell you from lesson learned about importing my first product is, uh, number one, test. Test before you invest. Uh, and I just made that up right now. Actually, that rhymed. That's pretty good. I'm going to have to coin that going, but test before you invest. So, I dropped, like like I said, like 10K US or so 15K Canadian, when really I could have gotten a much faster indicator of the sales velocity uh, if I invested half of that. So, I didn't have to tie half my capital into that. So I would say test small. Now, the problem is when you order a physical product, there's usually MOQs or minimum order quantities. And that's how much your supplier um, is basically saying they need in order to customize or, or really manufacture the product for you, even if there's no customization. Um, so your job is to negotiate the lowest MOQ, um, in my opinion. And I would say, uh, so I started with around 750 units. I don't think you need that much. The only reason I did that is because from a, like a shipping standpoint, um, it made a little bit more sense and the product was a little bit cheaper, but I still could have saved half the money. And I would go now in the future, I'm going to go like two, 300 units. Some people say 500 units, but I think depending on if it's a more expensive product, like 500 is, a, I think is still a lot more than you need. I think you can test a product with two or 300 units. Um, and then you basically find someone either overseas or domestically to manufacture your product. Uh, which I did, and I used it through the website Alibaba, and I shipped it in, and uh, and it was starting selling within a couple of weeks. So but the whole process takes about two months. So just some quick lessons learned off my first product. Number one, don't research in Q4. Re- let's say that again, don't do research in Q4. So I was brand new, I didn't know, so I was researching October, November, thinking, okay, yeah, this is seems like you know everything seems normal about this, and the, the product that I was doing was selling amazing. Like people were selling 20, 30 units a day easy and they weren't even doing a good job of marketing it. Um, So that was exciting. And so what happened was by that point, the velocity kept increasing. And I thought, oh, that's naturally um, because of obviously, you know, of Christmas and holidays and stuff like that. Um, But even when I looked in it, this is the other thing, part of tip number one, tip number two is don't invest in a product that doesn't have a lot of sales history. So this product was like, it's like relatively new product, like the technology is not necessarily new, but the way that it's being used in the product is kind of like a, like a new, let's say it's a newer tech product. It wasn't a tech product at all. It wasn't electronic, which I advise not for people to launch electronics as a first product because um, there's a lot of issues with that, but it, it was just a newer type product. As a result, it didn't have a lot of sales history. So I could only go back like two or three months basically, and then there was very few sellers on it. So Find something that has at least, I would say, 6 to 12 months. That should be like your main criteria. And then the other thing is making sure that it had like sufficient demand. So what happened with my product is that once January hit, basically it went down to 10 units. And that was only it was like 10 to 15 units. And that was only for like the first couple of sellers. So I was basically selling only a couple of units a week, which in my opinion is not worth investing. Even though it was making $500 um, plus a month. It's not worth the the, the cash um, cash flow because you can find way better profitable products. But I might still keep this product. I probably still keep it as a Q4 only product where I ship in about 500 to 1,000 units before fourth quarter, and I just rail through all of them and I jack up my price and I make you know a healthy margin on it. So I think the two biggest takeaways: make sure there's a big um, sales history on the product, and you can find all of this using um, Amazon research tools such as Jungle Scout um unicorn smasher for example um so there's all these tools uh that you can use uh but i would say um definitely test small and a good way to test small is also just start selling random shit around your house and basically figure out how amazon works because they're seller centered their background right there the the ui the interface is terrible so for you just to figure out how to list how to do shipping how to do this how to do that Like, you're gonna take yourself time to familiarize with that system. So that's an easy way to get started. And then once you have, I would say you need at least $5,000, in my opinion. Um, it's gonna be hard, it's it's gonna be really hard to do all the photography, all the, you know, including all the shipping and product packaging and logo and everything like that for really under 5K. But if you have 5K or more, um, Amazon private label is the way to go. So I just actually hired a virtual assistant, um, for $2 an hour from the Philippines. The guy speaks perfect English. Um, I just hired him like uh, like a week ago or whatever. So he's just starting to work for me. And he's actually gonna do a lot of product research for me. He's gonna do supplier communications for me. Um, and then he's eventually gonna help me with all my other businesses and everything like that. So I would definitely recommend if you're not selling private label, do it now. I don't think this opportunity of just selling straight on Amazon is gonna last more than five to 10 years because already in the past year that I've been there, and even past couple of years, there's so many so many more people on there and even though there's a lot of products and more people um it's a lot harder to find products so it's kind of also like real estate like the longer you wait the higher the prices go or in this case the more competition there is so it's best to if you can get started right away and remember that it always takes at least two or three months to launch your first product from the time you start researching to the time it actually hits amazon so you have to think about that time delay but um yeah, um, my, my personal goal for this year is to hit five products on Amazon by Q4.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, we talked a little bit about real estate. We talked a little bit about uh, Amazon FBA, you know, selling on Amazon. Uh, you said you had two other business, uh, business ventures you want to talk about? Yeah. Okay, so check this out.
1: So when, when my product was selling on Amazon, I had all this capital tied up. And I was saving the rest of my capital for uh, my next real estate deal. Uh, which I'm basically working on right now. So um, I knew that I was capped out from a capital perspective, and I didn't want to necessarily borrow money from peers or or family or friends, which I'm sure I could have, simply for the fact that I have improved the business model and I haven't earned income in that business model yet. So that's kind of what I want to do with Amazon. That's what I want to do with um, other businesses. I didn't want to take on any more additional loans. So I thought of what is another type of business that I could do um, that would require not my time, but more my wife's time. So, um, we actually started like an Etsy handmade, it's not Etsy, it's handmade slash personalized business. And I recommend this more for the person who has, who doesn't have the money, but who has the time and who can be some sort of craftsman or artisan. So really my goal, um, with this business is, um, for my wife to be able to quit her job, cause we're actually looking in the future to have kids, you know, at some point start of family, that kind of stuff. So she's going to be at home, um, raising the kids and it just makes way more sense. She can run a business from home than it does working. So that was my other thing. And so she's not, she's not entrepreneur, entrepreneurial as much as I am, but she's an excellent artist. So it, it, it's perfect for, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to be sexist or anything. I'm not going to say it's women because there's definitely guys who do it too, but it's perfect. Like the ideal is for the stay at home mom. She has the time. She can't necessarily. Um, go work a job or whatever, cause she's looking after your kids and stuff like that. But it, for a student, it actually makes sense. So as long as, like, even if you're working a day job, I have, um, my, my coworker is actually selling on Etsy as well as killing it right now. He's doing like 5k a month. Um, and that's the other thing is the profit margins are really high. Um, he, and he, he works a full-time job and his wife works a full-time job and they have a kid. So it is a lot of work, it's not, it's not as passive. It's the least passive business model out of, those three out of the you know private label or e-commerce uh, and the real estate and this one but um it is a lean way to create additional uh income um so it's but it's still it's still a product based business you, you can do actually digital files as well but um i would probably say product because the profits are bigger so the advantage of this of the handmade personalized business model is that the profits are much higher. So my product right now, I'm getting like our product lines are getting 90% ROI. So what that means is I'm paying like 2 or $3 for material to sell something that costs like $80 to $100 to make. So you only only need to sell a few of those really a day to make a substantial amount of income. Now it is obviously harder. It's not just like throwing it on Amazon and it'll sell. Even though I am selling on uh, Amazon right now on Amazon Handmade, but it is a little bit harder uh, to just get your, your your initial sales velocity. But I think it's good um, for people who can make crafts or who are good at handmade. Um, I know like uh, uh, a lot of both male and female uh, selling Etsy. It's a good part time as well. And it's ultimately a business. So the way that I think about it is in the end, if I could scale this to at least six figures plus, I have enough room in my profit to hire someone even locally, you know, to, to make my product. Um, full-time and I would still be then profiting and it would be passive, but at the beginning it is. But the advantage is that you don't need the capital, you don't need the 5000 We got started with $400. We already had most of the tools, a little bit of material and that kind of stuff. So the entry is really low um, and you, know, you can sell it for a lot more money. Also, you get paid faster um, on Etsy than you do on Handmade. Um, on Amazon, you get paid every two weeks. On Etsy, you can even schedule payments within a couple of days. Um, so that's pretty good too. So that one's the newest business. I just started that like two or three months ago, but it give you some perspective. It's making solid, like, let's say 500 bucks, uh, a month in revenue. And that's me just getting a couple of orders, um, you know, every couple of weeks or something like that. Um, and with that business, I'm actually, it, it, that one, it's interesting because when you compare it to Amazon, you just throw a product to Amazon and it sells. Whereas this one, it's like, no, it's actually a real business. You have to go, you have to go on social media. You have to have, you have to start building your own website. And so I think ultimately that is the skills you're going to have to learn to become an online entrepreneur. If you want to do e-commerce, is you're going to learn how to do the Facebook ads and the Pinterest ads and stuff like that. Um, because just throwing it up on Amazon, I don't think is going to be good enough, um, in the next five or 10 years. And that's ultimately, when you think about it, it's not ultimately a real business if you're only selling on Amazon. Um, because if you don't have those customer emails, which is the most important part about having a business. Um, you really you won't be able to sell them again in, in case you know that medium or that sales channel uh, is gone through the next day. Um, so yeah, so basically the handmade stuff I think is really cool, and I think that's that's a really cool avenue for for people to tr- uh, try. And you know you can you can make whatever you want as long as there's some sort of market for it. Um, you can make it and you can you can basically price your time a lot higher. So at your day job you may be making whatever 30 40 bucks an hour. Well, if you want to sell a product and you want to make, you know, 80 bucks an hour for that one product, you can charge that because, you know, that's what that's basically where you're willing to put your time at. So, um, there's a lot of potential with that too. So my goal for that is six figures end of 2017. My wife quits her job. Let's do it.
0: That'd be awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, we talked about the first three. We talked about real estate Amazon and uh, the handmade, um, you know, Etsy uh, type deal. So, what is the what's the fourth one? Okay,
1: this is the one that I think is from a long term perspective, and it's really about building a brand about yourself. That's really what it comes down to. Um, it, that the concept of having your own brand as your own identity as your own service. Um, that's a powerful concept because. Um, you're ultimately always going to be known for that. It's not like a business that you can sell, um, and someone else could be the owner, and you're you're kind of like all your work is gone. It's like you are basically selling essentially um, your 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 knowledge and your person and all your experiences and stuff like that, and that's through okay. blogging. So um, that's basically my fourth one. So um, I've started a blog now, and I really want to focus on giving the most amount of actionable Examples and experiences, you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to, a, I read a ton of blogs. I watch a ton of stuff on video. I would say about like 50% of the information I consume does not have specific examples, which me and you and people need when they first start out. So that's kind of what I want to share on my blog. Um, and that's what I want to talk about. Um, so I think blogging is every, anyone can do it if they enjoy writing. And if they don't, you can hire someone out like a VA to do that. But Um, ultimately your content will not be as good um, unless that person is really passionate about it and ultimately you can't link yourself to that brand identity so I think what really was going to be the future in like probably like 10 to 15 years is people creating their own brands and this idea of us the solopreneur um, coming and being kind of like the backbone of the e-commerce and North American kind of worker I think that the idea of like that having a job is gonna shift down and it's gonna be selling yourself. So even if you're selling like a service, you can sell your own, it's like a business service. Um, So you can um, give any kind of service that's ultimately gonna be linked with your brand identity. Um, But the thing with blogging is that it takes years to see a result. So people, you know, when they think about that, they're like, oh my God, it takes years to see even some kind of result. You know what, at the end of the day, that's okay. Because the longer it takes, the more worthwhile it's going to be. Because I'm going to tell you right now, everything takes years. Everything takes years. Real estate takes years. Amazon takes years. Business takes years. If you're thinking business in the terms of months or weeks, you're not thinking about the right way to approach a business. So now when I think about business, I actually think in the scale of years. I think of three years. I think of five years, right? And where you want to be in the three or five years. And that's kind of the mentality you have to have with a blog. Because you have to put out content every day, um, you have to basically give value every single day, and you have to engage with people and interact with people, and ultimately give them give them some knowledge, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're not doing that, then you won't have a good blog. Um, but the advantage of the blog is that, uh, from a long-term perspective, once you do have it built out after a couple of years and you have, you know, articles and a following and stuff then you can monetize that blog and you can profit from that blog for your information through courses um advertising on page whatever uh, and so forth so i think the blog is like my long-term goal it's like longer than even real estate almost it's like it's going to be like my my five-year goal is to like have my blog basically grow to at least you know at least a couple you know hundred thousand dollars and i think i think it's possible too Um, but it's a long-term process but i think ultimately If you do a blog and if you want to get into blogging, um, or any kind of content writing, I think you have to be passionate about it because you're going to lose yourself pretty quick. And I've tried niche sites and we haven't really talked about niche or niche sites, um, that much. And some of your like, um, entrepreneurs might have read about it and stuff like that. It's the same kind of concept. It's, you're doing the same kind of thing. You're, you're writing content basically and you're providing value and knowledge to people. Um, and that's what it is. But if you don't have that, you don't have that passion, that drive um, for that content, I don't think you're going to succeed um, unless you hire someone who has that and who can write that way and really manage um, and be the persona of that blog. Because it's going to be really difficult um, to, to be engaging and to provide value. And that's kind of like why I started my blog is I actually genuinely want people to um, learn from my mistakes. And, you know, It's basic. My blog is basically what I wanted to be able to read online, but I couldn't find anywhere else. And there are those the specific examples that we're kind of talking right now. Not like this high-level strategy, like, oh yeah, you just got to do this and you'll make six figures. Like that's not reality. That's not what you're going to have to do. And those aren't. um, That's not the information you're going to necessarily need. You need you need metrics to to basically base whether your decision making is in line with what's supposed to be there. Because if you don't have those metrics, you're gonna make bad decisions, you're gonna make mistakes, and you're gonna spend money. But I will guarantee you one thing, you will always make mistakes. And that's something you have, every, everyone is an entrepreneur, and something I have to remind myself every day, having a business, being an entrepreneur is about making mistakes. And then it's about learning from them. So if you think that you're just, you're, you don't wanna make a single mistake and you're, you're afraid to mess up, like that's the wrong type of thinking, what you think? What you should be thinking is, what's the least amount of risk? Have I have I thought out every decision properly? And ultimately, what do the numbers say? What makes the most financial sense? Because ultimately, it is a business. So that's basically it. The blogging is going to be exciting. I'm going to really try hard in uh, 2017 to grow my personal brand, Sve Pavich. If you don't know the name now, you'll probably hear it in a couple of years. <laughs> um, but that's basically it, man.
0: That's awesome. That was a hell of a story, my friend. That was uh, that was good. So, you know, we talked a little bit about your past, and we talked about what you're doing now, and and you know where you kind of want to go. Um, but I do think that it's important to also talk about, um, you know, some of the some of the key characteristics that it does take to succeed in business. Because you know you talked a little bit about dealing with setbacks, and I agree with you. If you're trying to go about this where you're never going to fail, you're going to succeed immediately and it's going to be all, you know, daisies. That's just not going to happen. It's just, it's, it's not realistic and I actually think the opposite kind of like, like what you were saying, you got to fail early and you got to fail often so that you can learn how to succeed. And so, you know, besides learning how to deal with failure, what other characteristics do you think are important for entrepreneurs to have to be successful?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great question because that's almost like the stuff that you need you need to figure out before you even start doing business because if you don't have those characteristics, then your business isn't going to succeed, right? So understanding that, you know, you have to fail. You don't have to fail, but you're going to fail. There's no way around it, and that's a part of business and trying. So I think it's the constant effort. It's the constant try and it's the constant motivation, and you have to want that motivation. And if you don't want that motivation, if you're happy with just, you know, going to work, going nine to night of five and, you know, that's it, you're going to go home and watch TV, you're not going to succeed because that's not, that's not nearly the amount of effort you, you need to put into it. So I think if determination is probably like next to understanding failure is the determination. Um, and I'm not talking about a determination where you're just kind of like blindly ignoring um, what the information that you're, you're getting. But the type of determination where you're you're unwilling to give up in your knowledge or the pursuit or your financial freedom and ultimately your happiness. And that's kind of what I think about every day. What I think about every day is like how what what is it that I can do that will get me to the end goal? And what are what are the things that are stopping me from doing that right now? And how can I how can I overcome that? And that has to come from determination. Has to come from your own desire, and ultimately comes from your why's, Which you probably hear that a lot. It's like, what is your why? Is it you know to be financially free, or is your why um, to just you know make you know a couple hundred bucks um, on the side of the month? That's going to determine your determination, um, right? But if you're if you're de- if your goal is to be financially free and even rich, like why don't we say that? Why don't we say we want to be rich? We want to be wealthy. There's nothing wrong with that. Why can't you work hard and do that? a lot of people do but we have this kind of like stigma against i want to be rich let's let's all admit it we all want to be rich right but but that only comes if you're willing to put in the work and effort and that has to come whether you have determination if you don't have that you know that's going to be really difficult the other thing is willingness to learn um there are some people who are too stubborn for business they think they're right you see them all the time you walk into their store they're the business owner And you make a recommendation or you say something and they're like upset and they're not willing to learn. They're not willing. And those, those people, they're not good business people. They're not, you know, they may have a business, but they're not good business people. Um, so you have to have this, this willingness to learn and willingness to, to understand that you will never have all the knowledge. Let me say that again. You will never have all the knowledge. It took me a while to think about that because I had to read, you know, you want to read books, you want to listen to podcasts, I want to know everything. You're not going to have that. You'll never have all the knowledge. Um, but what you will have is you will have some or enough knowledge to make the next decision. So I think it's really important to learn as you go. And ultimately, the only way you're going to learn as you go is if you learn through experience. I would never have lessons learned from real estate if I didn't buy the first house. I would never have lessons learned from Amazon if I didn't launch the first product and so forth. So if you're not actually doing something and taking action and growing a business and actually getting in there in the weeds and details, you're you're never gonna learn anything and you you won't be able to grow a business because you'll never try anything. You'll be too afraid um to make a mistake. And you won't you won't have the understanding that you actually don't need any more knowledge. You need a test. And that's one thing that's interesting about business. It's not like school where there's a right answer. Business will surprise you how things sell online, the way what what price properties are sold for, sometimes there's no there's no logic. There's absolutely no logic to them. And you can't predict that. So even if you had knowledge, even if you had, you know, a computer in the back of your mind giving you the exact percent probability you have to make X amount of dollars, it's too unpredictable as well, because that's that's the power and the beauty of business. It's actually almost um, ultimately comes down to human emotion. Um, and, and really that's what that's what a lot of business comes down to. A lot of business deals come down to human emotion. They want to do business with someone they like, you know, and they interact with them. They don't want to do a business with some uh, sleazeball, right? That they don't know. Um, so a lot of, a lot of it comes down to human emotion and that is unpredictable by nature. So actually I think I just uncovered a huge, (laughs) I want to do that better. Okay. (laughs) i uncovered covered a huge like aha moment. You'll never have all the knowledge. I'm sorry. Um, you're only going to you should only have enough to proceed to the next uh, phase forward. And when you get to that next phase, then you can figure it out. But even then, you're still going to have to test Facebook ads. You're never going to have the knowledge because you don't know how it works. You have to test every single different ad type, just like a product that you sell. You're going to have to test multiple products, just like houses. You're going to have to see multiple houses. So I think that's like the, um,
0: like a key key point right there. Absolutely, and you know I actually want to add one to that, and and I agree with everything you said. Um, you know I th- I think that was that was very well said, um, but you know it, it's cool what you said about you'll never learn it. You'll never learn everything, uh, and I'm actually reading this book right now called The Millionaire Mind, uh, and and the author did a ton of data collection on millionaires, and. He said that there was a disproportionate amount of people who they made C's in college or they didn't even go to college and you know one of the things that they did to compensate for that was or for to compensate for maybe you know a lack of higher level analytical thinking was they recognized that they that wasn't their strong point so they just paid other people to do it so so the C students would actually hire the a students who, you know they did well in school, but they're they're not as economically productive. And so you know I think that it's kind of in line with your point of, yeah, you might not know everything, but you can learn about it, and you can learn enough to where either you know that you can make a good enough a decision, you, you're informed enough to make a good decision, or you need to pay somebody else to do it for you. And so, you know, and I guess I guess the that kind of comes full circle to people skills also. You know, like you said, it's it's interactions, it's human emotion. If you can't work with people, you know you got to find, you got to work with people. (laughs) You got to get along with people. You you know, you got to, like, like you said, uh, earlier on, you know, you said you worked with sales and if you could get the face to face, you would close the deal. Well, I'm sure that's had a humongous, you know, it's a humongous part of your success. And, you know, just just to add on, I think it's really important to talk about people skills. So, um, you know, I do have one more question for you. This has been a fantastic interview, man. I really do appreciate your time. Um, but is there any part of yourself you know any th- important part of, of who you are that I did not ask you about today in other words what did I miss
1: hmm.
0: every time and specifically in relation
1: to like business like where I am now or, or the influence on business or
0: honestly whatever that means to you whatever like like if there's anything that you know, you still want to share that I didn't ask you about or, or we didn't oh, okay. cover anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, w- I would say um, every
1: single day we probably all have the same thoughts running through our brain. Um, and the decision between the people who are successful and the people who are wealthy and rich and those millionaires, like you said in the book is they all had the moment where they determined that they were going to succeed. And I think that's the most important is like, you basically need to tell yourself and something that I have to tell myself every single day is not the question, am I going to succeed? Is when am I going to succeed and how am I going to succeed? And I think that is also like a really powerful way to frame, um, the question, you know, of, of your desires and, you, and your wants, because that will ultimately motivate that question. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, like that's what you have to think. And I have to think every single day, what is the one thing that I'm going to do every day? So every single day I try to write something down or I try to you know, cross something off my list for one of my businesses or something. Because if you don't do that every day, you're never going to do it. You're going to procrastinate. You're going to leave it for the weekend. The weekend's going to come around. You're going to start hanging out with friends or whatever like that. So you really have to dedicate yourself and do it every single day every day I think about not is it will I succeed it's going to be how am I going to succeed and cross that off
0: the list absolutely absolutely that's fantastic so you know everybody this has been another project egg interview and um, you know today we've been talking with Sve and you know before we before we end it Um, You know, I do I do want to get you to tell people how they can how they can reach out to you or get in contact with you and and anything like that Sure, so um, I just launched my blog.
1: It's journey to like numeric to Financialfreedom.com and uh, I'll be sharing pretty much. I want the blog to be anything Related to passive cash flow for the purpose of achieving financial freedom And I will talk about some stuff we talked about like personal development and stuff like that but really i want to share my lessons learned tips um, experiences in real estate and amazon and etsy uh, in blogging and ultimately um, how you can too and i really wanted to make it both for um, people who are just starting out or who just have questions about those uh, types of businesses and also for people who have uh, more experience more advanced um, experience as well and you know um I want to have people on the show to, to share even more knowledge because, like I said, uh, I'm not necessarily the expert, but I can bring, uh, people who are the experts. We can have those conversations. Um, I can do a bunch of testing, which I've already done and stuff that I want to share with you that, um, I don't think that really any other, uh, blog, um, has, has talked about or, you know, um, really, uh, given that deep dive case study level. That's really when I get, when I get to down to like the case study level um and, and share with my experiences so journey to financial freedom um you can join the facebook page um um yeah you i have a contact through there um as well a youtube channel uh as well so um yeah you can reach me through there and keep your eyes open i will be posting uh, a lot of stuff uh, a lot of good content a lot of um eventually courses and and guides and uh, ebooks really for anyone uh, looking to get started um, so I thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me on your podcast, on your show. You've been a great host, um, and I hope that we've given um, your um, your audience, you know, something to both think about, but also something to to take action and think about what's what's going to be their next step. And every
0: day, crossing out that action step, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, to everybody listening, I just want to thank you. Um, you know, you guys are the the reason that we're doing this, and and hopefully you can get some value out of it. Um, you know, I, I'm honestly of the opinion that if we can help at least one person, if we can provide value to at least one person, this whole thing's worth it. So, you know, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Um, but this has been another Project Egg interview. And today we've been talking to Svej Pavic from Bosnia. Take care.
1: Thanks, man.